Hi, this is Mike Mazar of the RAND Corporation. I'm here with uh, Hervé Lemayu of the Lowy Institute in Australia. And we're here to talk about current trends in U.S. and China power and U.S. the future of U.S. policy toward China uh, in the Indo-Pacific. And it's a great time to talk about this in part because uh, Hervé is uh, a lead uh, author and architect of the Lowy Asia Power Index, which just a couple Ago, published their 2020 uh, version uh, of their annual assessment. And uh, Harry, why don't you start us off by giving us a couple of thoughts about some of the main trends that you saw in this most recent version of the index? Sure. Thanks, Mike. Um, well, it's always a pleasure uh, to talk with you. Um, but uh, I, with the Asia Power Index, we've been running it for three years now. And uh, it's it's a comprehensive ex exercise in terms of trying to map the distribution of power as it stands today and how that's changing over time. Um, and what we've seen is that uh, obviously the onset of the pandemic has uh, been a rather uh, uh, destabilizing uh, phenomenon for the region, and it's triggered a bit of a race to the bottom between uh, Indo-Pacific powers. 18 of the 26 countries that we measure or that we include in the index uh, have registered sharp downward shifts in their power and none more so than the United States, which remains the most powerful country in the region, but registered the largest fall in its relative power uh, for a variety of reasons, but also uh, notably because of a loss of US prestige uh, due to its handling of, um, of the COVID pandemic. Yeah, and I was interested in, in pursuing that and asking, you know, you, you measure countries across many different indices, um, economic, political, public opinion, cultural power, all of that. Um, is the decline in US power as you see it um, a, a function of recent attitudes toward the United States and U.S. policies, or are there elements of it that are more structural and would be harder to reverse even in a new administration? It's it's a combination of of, of structural and and of political factors. So we we make that distinction in our methodology between what countries have in terms of their capabilities and their resources um, and what countries do with what they have in terms of the influence-based determinants of power, whether that's in terms of their economic diplomacy, their defense networks, uh, uh, their cultural influence, etc. Um, and what we see is that the U.S. has registered a, a downward shift in all but one of our eight core measures of power, um, uh, though the, the one exception being resilience. You might ask yourself why in a uh, year of political instability in the U.S., why, why the U.S. registered an upward trend for resilience, but we look at other things like energy security in that basket. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, that, you know, America's resilience um, is down to also the fact that it's become a net energy exporter for the first time in 70 years. So, and that contrasts steeply with, with China um, and its increased dependence on energy imports. Um, on the other hand, what we've seen is a combination of both uh, a loss of prestige and influence, um, and that's a continuation of what we've already seen, uh, the, the, the renegotiation of free trade agreements, the insistence on balancing trade flows one country at a time. You know, this was a sort of Trump um, era uh, a priority has really not kept pace with uh, China's uh, economic soft power, if that's what you want to call it, or economic uh, diplomacy in the region. Um, and and uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, areas where the U.S. has dropped this year is in terms of its economic relationships. That's a reflection of current trends in terms of you know reticence to want to do uh, trade agreements, uh, certainly on a multilateral level. Um, and then uh, as well, the fact that China in relative terms keeps um, uh, making progress. So particularly in investment, which is a historical strength for the US, the US remains 
the more predominant um, investor in the region overall. But if you look at where those investment flows are going, uh, they tend to be going to a, a select few countries, you know, where the U.S. remains a larger investor in Australia, um, in India and in Japan and South Korea. On the other hand, uh, uh, China does more with less. It invests in smaller countries where it has more influence in those countries' political economies. Um, and this year, it is uh, ahead in nine countries. It's a larger investor than the U.S. in nine countries, uh, including, you know, Cambodia, Malaysia, uh, but for the first time this year as well, Nepal and the Philippines, yeah, uh, which is an interesting phenomenon. So um, I, I realize that the, the index doesn't necessarily translate itself automatically to policy advice, but um, just in the minute that we've got left, based on uh, your understanding of power, the measures of power you've been looking at, the trends you've been seeing, the United States has been very focused on this idea of a strategic competition with China. So if you were advising the United States and said, look, if you're going to invest some more money in a few categories of, of competitive strength, um, just in a few seconds here, what, what would you point the United States toward as areas likely to have more uh, relative effect? Look, I think the more I think about U.S.-China competition, and particularly in a place like Southeast Asia, the less I see it as a symmetrical um, uh, balance of power. I think the U.S. will find it difficult to match China's economic pull and strategic proximity um, in, the, in that region. And so I think the demand for the U.S. is still there as an external strategic balancer. But that needs to be couched in terms of what it can offer in combination with countries like Japan and Australia and maybe even India, um, and not just in a military sense, but in terms of uh, uh, econ the economic rules-based order. So you're thinking work multilaterally and don't necessarily compete directly. Exactly. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you.